This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try. And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to the last off the ball of the season. Last off and on the ball of this season of footballing game. It's an emotional time for many of us here because our three pundits today, alongside myself, Cam Rusland, have uh, vested interest in the matches of this, uh, two matches that we're talking about this weekend. First of all, we have Arvin Sidhu. Hello, everyone. It's great to be on this final show and with two fans of ultimate institutions, Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Really looking forward to this. Well, let's start with the, with the institution that is Des Corkill. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, last one of the season. Before we could talk, memories of Ross Youssef um, at the end of the season. It, we lost a great friend this year. And football is wonderful, but it is secondary. So We're definitely going to have a word. A fan of Nottingham Forest of many years. He is well, I can Bob Holmes. Echo what I just said about Ross, of course. and uh, But it is a, a privilege to be here among uh, some uh, pundits with vested interests. And I'm looking forward to providing some high bias <laughs> from Again. all three of us. <laughs> well, all three of you are going to be biased because, um, well, Arvind is, is also a fan of uh, Real Madrid. So we've got the whole thing covered here. Two matches really to talk about. We're going to be talking Champions League final, Championship final playoff, and then we're going to be looking at a, a, a review of the season that's just passed. But let's begin with the big one, the Champions League final. It ended Real Madrid 1, Liverpool 0. Well, Des, I've got to turn to you. It The quadruple did not turn out to be. What, what happened there? Thibaut Courtois, that's what happened there. He was immense. The Real Madrid goalkeeper always has been an outstanding goalkeeper. Um, but as I think he said, he was never properly appreciated at Chelsea, probably more appreciated at Atletico Madrid. But he's gone back to Real Madrid and uh, saved the performance of his life, and he's had quite a few, to the Champions League final. Liverpool had nine shots on target, and he has made three world-class saves. The one from uh, Salah is the one everyone will talk about in the 82nd minute, where he actually makes a move to the ball there. That's a, a wonderful save. But the one in the first half, low down to his left, he's six foot five, let's not forget. That's a magnificent save. And the one off Mane, which he touches onto the post and then gets up to recover before anybody else. Three saves of the highest, highest order. So um, I'd mention him because the, the obvious narrative is, oh, Liverpool underperformed. I don't think Liverpool did underperform. I think Liverpool played well enough to win the game created enough chances to, to win the game, but came up across uh, an inspired uh, Thibaut Courtois, a really resolute and defensively superbly organised Real Madrid, were caught on the counter for, on uh, and got away as, as well with the Benzema decision. Um, and Liverpool, like for their season, I don't think they've got the rewards that they deserved, either in the game or in the season. So it's, it's, it's one of those where... You've just got to take your hat off sometimes to a, a, an incredible individual performance and say, OK, he's won you the Cup, Real Madrid, well done, 14, fantastic. Liverpool got to go again. Somehow they've got to pick themselves up off the floor. But nothing but pride. There was a, there was a parade in Merseyside yesterday. Half a million people turned up to see Liverpool's um, uh, roam through the streets. They had the two trophies plus the women's second division trophy. They would have loved the Champions League. They would have loved the Premier League. But um, unfortunately, they couldn't get there. A fabulous season, sensational season. And I don't think they got the rewards they deserved in either the cup final or the league. Actually, Des, before I let you go, this question I really want to ask you. Uh, 
Jurgen Klopp, this German guy, who even before he arrived at Liverpool, you kind of felt he was like this 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 ultimate emotional connection with Liverpool. And and he said at his first press conference, we're going to win something in three years, and they did. I want to ask, what is what has Jurgen Klopp done for Liverpool FC, but also for the city of Liverpool? For the city of Liverpool, I, I think I've said this many times before on this show. He, he, he's a perfect fit. Um, Liverpool is is um, a kind of economic backwater on Merseyside. It is it is a pariah because it stands up for itself. There's a very much an Irish Catholic um, background, which isn't very pro-establishment. And the Jubilee is not going to be overly celebrated on Merseyside, let me tell you that. Um, and it never would be. And what Jurgen Klopp has done is he's bought into Liverpool. He's bought into saying, hey, I, I, I understand that uh, you're a little bit different. Um, you, you, you get a lot of stick. You deserve some stick, but you get a lot of stick. Um, put my arm around you. I'll fight your corner and I'll give you as good a team as I possibly can. He's very like Bill Shankly. Uh, the, uh, Bob wrote a brilliant book, Shanks, Yanks and Jürgen, uh, before all of this success came on. And the comparisons that Bob puts with uh, Bob, uh, Bill Shankly and what Jürgen Klopp are bringing to, to Liverpool are, they were absolutely spot on then, even more spot on now. So he's just brought um, a real pride of being from the city Liverpool, as proven by the um, celebrations yesterday, the day after they've lost the Champions League final. Remarkable character. Yeah. Remarkable man. Well, let's not forget plucky underdogs Real Madrid, who uh, managed to pull off an unlikely win there at the Champions League final. Arvind, Real Madrid, Champions League. Is there any point any other team actually even taking part? Yeah, they're they're just going to win it. I, I saw I saw a comment online that I found very, very interesting that Real Madrid own that, that cup and anyone else that wins it, it just has it on loan for another season because it's it's seeming to be that now, season after season. It, when you look at the Real Madrid journey to win this Champions League, yes, the final will be remembered for Thibaut Courtois. No doubt. I'm not taking anything away from that performance. He and Dani Carvajal and to a certain extent, Federico Valverde were the best players on the pitch. No doubt. But if you look at the journey that Real Madrid had to take to get to that final, Inter Milan, PSG, Chelsea, Man City, and then Liverpool, they've had potentially the hardest route to winning a Champions League in the modern era. Literally all the teams, all the champions of each of the league. And it doesn't matter to the to, to the narrative of whether you get lucky, whether you score last-minute goals. The point is, what this Real Madrid team does really well is they have very little of the ball. They have sometimes very little of the attack. But whatever little that they have, they maximize it. And that's what they did against Liverpool. They absolutely maximized it. They knew Liverpool was going to come out of the blocks and hit them hard in the first 20 minutes. And we saw that. They knew that Liverpool were going to get more chances. And we saw that. I, I still think the Real Madrid, the first goal, that disallowed goal, was a bit fortunate for Liverpool because it should have been given on any other day. But then for someone who's watched Real Madrid as high at this season, it's a very common story. It happens. Second half, they will have a chance and they will take that chance, which they did. So for me, it's a lot going up into this game. And I understand the, the emotions that happened from Kiev. It was the Salah revenge. It was Jung Klopp saying that Madrid were favourites. It was a lot of focus on that. But there was one very important narrative that everyone was forgetting. Real Madrid were hurt really badly when they missed out on Kylian Mbappe. This was a transfer that they tried to get for three to five years and they didn't get him. When that transfer failed, the focus said, we're going to Paris, we might have missed out on Mbappe, will bring something back way more important, which is the 14th title, and they did. Five Champions Leagues in nine years. That's a dynasty. Carlo Ancelotti, the most successful manager, overtaking Bob Paisley, overtaking Zidane for European Cups. After a while, you just have to accept 
it's a different level right now. But credit to Liverpool, they did really, really well. It's just Madrid made most of what they do really well, which is game management this season and fantastic performance in that sense. Well, Bob, uh, your team, Nottingham Forest, are going to be winning the Champions League in two season in two uh, years' time, uh, <laughs> if they go by their tradition. Uh, what did you think? Did you think uh, fair, fair final, fair finish? Well, no. I mean, I think Liverpool, uh, Liverpool dominated really, um, but um, PSG, Chelsea, and Man City also dominated, didn't they? Just as uh, Arvind has said, the, the thing is about Real Madrid. I mean, they have this image of being Galacticos and Fancy Dans and all that. But they are a team. They have fighting spirit. And against each of those teams I've just mentioned, they were not just behind. They were two goals behind with only minutes left in, in the first legs. I mean, they came from... They were almost dead. If, if you think about those, the games, the first, the first one, um, PSG... When Benzema scored after that uh, Donnarumma mistake by a goalkeeper, I mean the world's best goalkeeper allegedly, until Courtois took took his place, um, and it all started from that. But the fighting spirit they showed was was quite tremendous. So I mean, yes, they do deserve the accolades, but let's not write off Liverpool. I mean, some people are trying to say that this season has ultimately failed and they've only got two tin pot cups and that sort of thing. They've been found out. I'm reading all this stuff now in, on the, in the Monday papers, the so-called analyses. Liverpool have been found out. They can't score in big games, you know, this, this kind of thing. They were up against the best goalkeeping performance, well, in the Champions League since Peter Shilton against Hamburg, and if people, I know there are people alive who can remember that. And the reason, what, what um, reminded me of that was that on that famous occasion, Kevin Keegan was playing for Hamburg and just couldn't get past Shilton for the umpteenth time. And he ended up beating the ground in frustration. And who did that on Saturday night? Mo Salah. I mean, really, the parallels. I mean, you just could not get past this guy. I mean, goalkeepers can have performances like that. So rather than write off Liverpool as, as nearly men, as one paper had the audacity to call them, um, the answer is, as Des says, Thibaut Courtois. And nothing went right. Um, I mean, there was the business of the fans. Um, although I think we have to say the fact that Liverpool started well, uh, no one can really blame um, that on on the defeat, uh, blame the mm. defeat for um, that, um, because Liverpool bossed the game, didn't they, yeah. for, for 25 minutes or so, and they looked good. They looked good. They had created um, several chances. Courtois had already made a couple of his worldies by then, and you got the sense that if they didn't score, this kind of thing could happen. Real Madrid will will nick one. And mm -hmm. Alexander Arnold, who seems to have been singled out as the villain of the piece, uh, that was he had a good game. He made one mistake, and of course they pounced. Well, the the guys on Friday they all got the scoreline right. They also they also was going to be one nil to Real Madrid. I uh, I said it was going to be four three to Liverpool. 
which would have been a much better game. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I can can I come? I need to uh, go in on the fans because okay. I had a family at, at the stadium, and um, my family got there for six thirty for a nine o'clock kickoff. Didn't get into the game. They had tickets, legitimate tickets. Didn't get into the game until around about uh, nine forty-five. They were queuing. Gates were closed. They were channeled into single and double file queues, having got there really early. Um, I've got to say the the the, the, the police. Uh, seem to have got it utterly, utterly wrong. At the Liverpool end, there doesn't seem to be problems at the Madrid end, but um, gates were closed. It was chaotic outside and very dangerous outside. Tear gas was used. My two nephews, who are pure as the driven snow, both had um, tear gas eyes at the end, which is not a great memory to take from, from Paris. And afterwards, pickpockets galore, muggings galore, as fans were um, trying to get, get their way home. I think UEFA have got to take a huge, huge amount of responsibility here. Because they gave 20,000 tickets to Liverpool, 20,000 to Madrid. That meant that the other 35,000 were available to end up on the black market um, or fakes that were made. And you, there's just got to be a better distribution to clubs. There just mm. must be. Uh, I had people, I know people from Malaysia who haven't been to a game in years who went over to Paris and got, got a ticket. Great for them, but that is rubbish for the, um, for, the, for the guy who goes week in, week out. That is something that has got to change. Um, yeah. So it was, a, it was a horrible night all around for many fans who went there. But um, yeah. again, credit to, to Real Madrid and flipping Thibaut Courtois. <laughs> I think I think Des summed it up very well there. That's a quote for the season. Um, well, we move on, and in a moment we're going to look at the championship playoff here on Off the Ball BFM eighty nine point nine. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. And it's the part two of the footballing show that is Off the Ball, and we now will be talking about one of the most. Uh, Lucrative games in the in the world, probably more lucrative than the the, yeah. the Champions League final, which is the Championship playoff. And we had Huddersfield Town nil, Nottingham Forest one. Now Bob Holmes, as we said before, is a Nottingham Forest fan, and uh, well, you know, this is after twenty three years. Bob, you must be happy, but at the same time, it was an own goal. <laughs> yes, it was an own goal, and I think uh, Huddersfield should have had a couple of penalties. Um, they bossed the game, most of it. We were very, very lucky indeed, very lucky. And I feel for the Huddersfield fans. Um, some sometimes it's just like that. That's football. Yeah. It's it's a cruel game, football. Um, but let's let's keep it that way. We don't want any basketball nonsense creeping in. Um, let's let's keep it tight. Um, no, it, it's massive relief all round. If you had said to me in uh, late September, how do you think the season's going? I'd, I would have said, we're not going to be in this division next season. And I would have meant the third division. We were bottom with one point from seven games. And uh, we sacked the manager, as you'd expect. Steve Cooper comes along. Not many people would have heard of him here. But he, he's a World Cup winner with England, England under-17s. Um, he was at Liverpool, Liverpool Academy. And he took Swansea City to two playoffs. So he's got something in his locker. Anyway, since then, we have had the best record in the division. Better than Fulham, who won it. And it's been an absolutely remarkable turnaround, essentially with the same players. A couple of excellent additions in January, 
but essentially the same players that gave us that terrible start. So he has really worked his magic and he's done it in one season. It took Brian Clough three seasons. Uh, so there's, there's something to go on. So by your reckoning, um, Cam, we should win the Champions League halfway through next season. I don't think that's actually possible. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of dispensations would have to be meted out there. No, but uh, the game itself was, uh, well, it, first of all, um, we only saw the second half here. Uh, which was a bit of a bad start after the night before having the delayed start with uh, with the Champions League final. And then to to have this experience with the Formula One race um, yeah. uh, carrying on. Okay, I don't blame Astro for that. Uh, there's far more people watch Formula One around the world than, than there are watch Forest and Huddersfield. But I changed channels in desperation. And I saw one game, Man United versus Wolves, and Diogo Jota was playing for Wolves. So that's two seasons ago. What okay, Bob. What earth okay. was that doing on? <laughs> okay, Bob. All right. uh, Bob, you're going you're gonna to get to speak more about your beloved uh, um, Nottingham Forest in a moment. But, Arvin, I want to ask, you're a fan of Leeds United. You've had which is a, a great club with a great name that dropped down, well, got plummeted down several leagues. And so you've seen your club go up. What what would it take? What did it take to survive? I mean, Leeds barely survived this season. But what is necessary then for a championship team going up in order to survive in the Premier League? I, I believe Leeds made a lot of mistakes this season. It, it came from top level management all the way down to probably the, the tea lady on on the on, at the club. It takes a lot for, for survival. But the first season usually. A club like Nottingham Forest with a big name like that, a good manager behind them, typically a good style of play, which Steve Cooper has has inherited has has implemented there. They they will do okay, but it's always that sophomore season, that second season syndrome, which will hit you really hard. Like for me, for Leeds, when we came up, that was great. We finished ninth, fantastic. But I can't remember celebrating staying up on the last day louder than any other celebration I did because when we stayed up this season it literally felt like a World Cup win for me because I did not want to go back down. And Bob knows being down there, it's the championship is great. Don't get me wrong. We get more games. It's a dogfight. Anyone can beat anyone on the day. But you want to be in the Premier League. So I, I believe with with the, the personnel that, that Nottingham Forest have, some of the players that they have, the manager behind them, they'll do okay. But it's really going to depend on quite a lot of things. Investment in the club is vitally important. Keeping that core players that has got them to where they have gone through. The likes of Ryan Yates, Brent, uh, Brennan Johnson, Dijin Spence. Having those players there, vitally, vitally important. But I'm just so happy for Nottingham Forest, really. Des, you know, there might be some listeners out there who are not aware of the reasons why Nottingham Forest has a legendary status in the English and indeed in the European game. Do you think you could uh, enlighten us? Uh, Bob did mention a certain Brian Clough just now. Yeah, it's that 1959 FA Cup final, obviously, that everyone talks about, the victory over Luton. Um, but then <laughs> they, they actually had a team under Brian Clough that came up from the second division as third place, uh, which was effectively the playoffs. And then they won the title a year after, went on to win the European Cup for two years after that, and also um, a couple of League Cups thrown in for good measure as well. So it was a glorious team put together. We won't be able to see that kind of thing ever again. You're now talking just about mid-table mediocrity, or somebody fighting for a top six place at the very best promoted clubs. But they, they overachieved massively. 
So for, for a team like Forest, they're very like Leicester in my book. Sorry, Bob. They're, they're, they're one of these mid, mid-sized teams, a Coventry, a Forest, a Leicester, who in the modern game will find it very, very difficult to consistently dine at the, at the top Premier League table with all the riches that are available. So make the most of it while they're there because uh, it could well be a, an up and down situation for for forest for for a long time can i can i just talk about the game and var of course you know what a big fan i am of var oh yeah oh yeah okay so var is introduced for the league uh, for the um uh, playoff final for the first time i think they possibly got one right the referee john moss i think got the first one right the second one how on earth if that goes to var can that not be deemed as a penalty the second huddersfield um, uh, a penalty penalty claim. I just do not see it. I can understand the referee not getting it, and I'm dead against VAR, so I'm, I am not at all happy for the referee to get it wrong um, for the second penalty. It is just abominably bad. Forrest got, got lucky for the first one. Huddersfield, think of Huddersfield. So, Liverpool fans, OK, we've lost the game. Huddersfield, they had a team in the playoff finals who lost to an own goal. Their rugby league team made it to the rugby league finals for the first time in 60-odd years and lost to a last-minute um, try against Wigan. Huddersfield fans, Huddersfield people are feeling worse than anybody else this weekend. Well, bless them. But uh, <laughs> we've got Bob Holmes. <laughs> so, hey, Bob, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being Nottingham Forest winning the European Cup for the second time, I guess. That would be number 10. And, and also bearing in mind that your other team, Notts County, I believe, got promoted too. No, uh, no, they didn't. Oh, oh they didn't? No. Oh, no. oh okay. So, right. Anyway, c- continue. But continue. so where, where does this rate on the, the, the 1 to 10 scale of a lifelong Nottingham Forest fan? Oh, it's, it's up there. It's, it's, in, it's an eight. Uh, yeah, I guess it's about an eight. Okay. I mean, we've, had a, we've had a few nines and tens, you know. But I, I want to I ask you another. So you've got this eight now, Bob. And this, this is something that really pertains to a lot of clubs. You, you've the, the glory of getting up to the Premier League. But what happens if next season Nottingham Forest get thrashed weekend, weekend each and every weekend? How would you feel then? Would you rather have stayed in the championship and avoided the site and, and presumably have your manager sacked by Christmas, or would you still be happy? Um, well, I wouldn't be happy, but um, I, I, yeah, we've, we've looked at this and we've discussed this before on the show. Um, in Forrest's case, you've got to, you had to go for it. You have to go for it because it's been done before. And they, it, when they went up before, we all know the rest of uh, what happened. Um, they've got to do it. I mean, it's not an impossible task. It's not an absolute given that you're going to get thrashed every week. I mean, look at Brentford. I mean, they finished, what, halfway up, didn't they? They, they comfortably avoided relegation in the end. Bournemouth stayed up for four or five years, a few years ago under Eddie Howe. I mean, Reading also stayed up a few times. Southampton, one of those mid, uh, mid-size uh, provincial clubs, they, they've been there for years, Southampton. So this, um, it's, it's an exclusive club at the top. If you're talking about Champions League, but the rest of the league is not that exclusive. You're going to lose more than you win, but you're going to have your moments. And I don't think there'd be many fans. I mean, the, the scenes were amazing at Wembley 
afterwards. Um, uh, the, the forest fans just took over. A lot of outside as well didn't get in. And it, it was quite what, what they've done is rekindle something quite extraordinary. And they get be- bigger crowds now than they did under Brian Clough when they were European champions. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, it's, it's and it was standing amazing. room only in those days. His, um, what, what they seem to have re- rekindled something and started another fire. The, the place, the city ground used to be like a library, like the Highbury Library. Um, but now it's a cauldron. And the, there's a group that's, that's generated this atmosphere. They've got a new song, Muller of Kintyre by Paul McCartney. I think most people know that. And he has apparently promised to come to the city ground and sing it himself if they got promoted. Well, they've got promoted. (laughs) So we look forward to that. But this is a very moving, the Mull of Kintyre, very moving. It's an ideal um, sort of anthem for a club. And they've changed the words a bit. City, city ground, <laughs> city ground is in there, and the Trent. Um, but uh, the tune is the same, and it's quite uh, next to uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone." I'd say. Scousers everywhere, Bob. Scousers everywhere. <laughs> what would well, we do without them? Well, uh, in a moment, though, we're gonna we're gonna uh, look back on the season, find some of the best and the lows, because uh, far have we travelled and much have we seen. Oh, very good. Oh. <laughs> And so, off the ball, BFM 89.9. Because whilst he's there, it's been very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to the last off the ball of the season. Last off and on the ball of this season. And now we're going to start looking back on the season that has just been. We're going to look for the best and the worst. Goglin has already supplied his answers, and the guys on Friday gave their answers. So I want to ask around. We're not going to ask you all the same thing. But uh, so, for instance, with the best player of the season, there was a there was quite a split here. Uh, Goglin went for Kevin De Bruyne. The guys on Friday were Somyun Min, Arvin, best player. Who would you who would you pick? And uh, don't pick a Leeds player that who was injured all season or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but, but those are all valid arguments. I mean, Bruno obviously won the player award for best player of the season, but Mohamed Salah was up there. But for me, to even have a mention of an Asian like Son Heung-min in that category just shows the level of excellence that Son Heung-min has. I mean, when you look at the fact that he's the joint top scorer and he's not scored a single penalty, he scored in a Spurs side where struggled with Nuno Espirito Santo at the start. And then with Conte, who is a great manager, but not always the more free-flowing compared to when you compare to a Klopp or a Pep Guardiola, I think Son Heung-min has done fantastically well. So, and I was having a chat with, with a friend the other day and he said to me, Real Madrid missed out on Kylian Mbappe. What if Real Madrid go for Son Heung-min? And I honestly think Son Heung-min he could play in a Real Madrid squad. He could play in any of the top three teams in the Premier League, in my opinion. He's that good. So for me, I, I just, we're so used to the Kevin De Bruyne. We're so used to the Mohamed Salahs. But Son Heung Min, for me, every season does it. And he's just done it even more this season. So my words for Son. And uh, Des, best player? No, well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to say a Liverpool player, but I'm trying to I'd steer away from that. But De Bruyne, when he came back into form towards the season's end, there was only only ever going to be Manchester City who were going to do it. It was De Bruyne who drove them on in that remarkable come-from-behind victory against Villa. It was De Bruyne who drove them on in that remarkable come-from-behind draw at West Ham. 
Uh, I think he's just the driving force. He he sets the example. He can sit. He seems to understand the game. Uh, what, what an incredible player. If there was one player I would like um, Liverpool to, 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 to have bought from Chelsea, it would have been Kevin De Bruyne. He's just exceptional. He just takes things up that extra notch. And it's the difference between winning and losing. Uh, at, at the very top level, the, the, the differences are, are very small. He has got that incredible ability. When he's fit, Manchester City, completely different team. So I can't get away from Kevin De Bruyne. And he's such an unlikely looking footballing genius. Correct. Correct. Um, but he's powerful. He's strong. He's good with both feet. He scores humdingers, left foot and right foot. He can score in the air. He can be the third man running. He can make the 30-yard pass. He can make the five-yard pass. He can do the little one-twos. He can do the defending. He's, he's got absolutely everything at a very, very nine-on-ten level. Hmm. And Bob, your, your player of the season? Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, yeah, we can make up some time here. Um, <laughs> just, just saying the same thing. Um, first half of the season, it would have been Mo Salah. No question. Um, but he's not been as good second half. Probably the AFCON took something out of him. Um, whereas De Bruyne has come on really strongly just at the right time for City as uh, they were dropping the odd point, giving Liverpool a bit of hope that they could be caught but uh, Kevin De Bruyne ensured that they weren't. So uh, I, I would I would go for him without question. Okay. So, uh, Arvin, what about the manager of the season? We've got a lot of Eddie Howe and uh, the like, uh, the lower rung managers going. But Jurgen Klopp did something pretty special. Oh yeah, he has. I mean, in the seasons that he he's lost the title by one point, what's it? Three defeats. That's just insane. It's an insane stat. That's even that's even crazier. So Jim Klopp is up there as well. But when you look at it, yes, Eddie Howe's been blessed with finances. He hasn't gone out and spent a lot of money. And I and I and I and I think the movements that he made in January were were smart movements because they were movements that needed to fit Newcastle at the time and to ensure that they stay up. His first target was to stay up. And what did he do? He went to the other teams who were down and thereabouts and he went and got their players and he brought them in and he, fit, he made it fit into what Newcastle needed to do. When they go down, Chris Wood is in the Premier League with Newcastle. So you can kind of see how that, that's worked out. So for me, uh, Eddie Howe is there because we didn't give Newcastle a chance. They were bottom in Christmas. Um, for Patrick Vieira, is a little bit different because he kind of had to change the image and the outlook of Crystal Palace and the way that they play. So both of them are pretty up there for what they've done but I just feel Eddie Howe for what he needed to do he would get my award for that okay and Des manager of the season for you uh, Jurgen Klopp full stop but you yeah. said a while ago that you know for him to be regarded as a true great he has to win he's got to win trophies he's won two trophies this year Okay, but uh, <laughs> there were two other trophies that were not won. Yeah, and, and they're in there right the way to the end. It's like saying Don Revy isn't a, isn't a great manager if you don't put Jurgen Klopp as a great manager. Those those dirty Leeds teams of the early 70s, they were always competing at the tail end of the season and games to catch up with them. I, 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 I suspect that um, the African Cup of Nations just caught up on Mo Salah and Sadio Mane towards the tail, tail end of the season, even though we, we dominated Klopp just... Outstanding. For the reasons you, we talked about before, it's not only the football. It's what mm. he's done for the city um, yeah. and, and how he's outspoken and uh, how he goes anti-government. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's a standout fella. Standout. So, so therefore, he has, has he gone above Shankly, Dalglish as 
the Liverpool. It's not, it's not a competition. He's in the same conversation. Yeah. He's in the same conversation as as, as the great Bill, as um as 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 Kenny. He's in the same conversation. Uh, not bad for a German guy. <laughs> Scouse German. Jürgen is a Scouse. Well, Dortmund's song is also "You'll Never Walk Alone," isn't it? Coincidence, huh? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob Holmes, uh, manager of the season, you can choose from the championship if you want. Uh, well, um, I would say that Steve Cooper has got a shout, and even <laughs> Steve, even Jurgen Klopp said that. You know, uh, overall, yeah, he has a, he has a shout definitely to do what he has done. I don't think it's ever been done before. Do, do you I think, think it's a bright future? Yeah, I mean, Forrest have got to try to hang on to him as long as possible. But he does really seem to uh, have something. As I said before, he won the World Cup with England under 17s. Winning the World Cup with England, you know, you say that sentence and you think, hey, hello, who's, who's ever done that? You know, OK, it was only the under 17s, but uh, there was uh, Phil Foden and company. There were some tasty players there and now we're seeing them uh, maturing. So this guy has got something. Um, but no, I, Premier League, it's, it's got to be Klopp. I think people are, are trying to make fun and denigrate Liverpool now because of these two losses. I mean, they were a kick away from the quadruple, something that has never even been thought of before. They almost did it. And to keep that going right until the end, till the bitter end, juggling the players, rotating, making sure players have got rest, but not weakening the team too much. I mean, that takes some doing. Keep every, keeping everyone's morale up so that no one gets in a huff because they're not playing. They're all still hungry to play. To keep the crowd on side like that, the whole city, apart from the blue half, no, it's it's got to be Klopp. I, he, he has done incredibly well. And you can't judge the great managers because Shankly never won the European Cup. Paisley won it three times, essentially, with Shankly's team. So who's the better guy there? And now uh, Klopp has won it once. And then you've got Dalglish in the equation. But they're all different, uh, different eras. Impossible to separate them. Wow. They're all right at the top table. Manager of the season, and nobody mentioned Pep Guardiola. What's a what's a guy got to do? Back to back, back to back. You know how difficult it is to win the title back to back. He doesn't get enough credit. But it, it's worth nothing. It's worth nothing. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask a question, which is I think all too rarely asked, and I keep meaning to ask it actually. In in virtually goalkeepers, people always forget about goalkeepers. Well, except for you, Des. You you were reminded about the word the importance of a goalkeeper. Um, Arvin, best goalkeeper of the season? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, we've had some really different ones for different stories. We've had, obviously, Alison and Edison, who've got... Uh, I mean, Edison has won the... kept the, the, the golden golden glove for the amount of clean sheets. But then you look at someone like, like Jordan Pickford, I would think Jordan Pickford was one of the sole reasons that Everton stayed up. Some of those wonder saves that he was making at the end of the season was, was so important for Everton because without him, I think they could have been down and out. So... It's it's a really tough one with with goalkeepers. I mean, Des knows this. He he watches the techniques. He sees the the save ratio. But for me, it's tough because on the top end, you have the teams that you expect clean sheets and they deliver it, and then you've got the guys that really save you from going down, like a Jordan Pickford. So I, I wouldn't be able to choose the best goalkeeper in my opinion. 
Des, you play as a goalkeeper at the highest level. Uh, <laughs> so who would you pick as a, as, a, as a great goalkeeper? Nick Pope from Burnley. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think he is so consistent. His team have been relegated, not for any fault of his. It's difficult to pick out a mistake that he has made, and yet his team is under constant pressure. He makes the brilliant saves routinely. He stands up. You, you, you put crosses in. Pope is there. He's good low to his left, low to his right, high to his left, high to his right. He's dominant. He talks. Um, I, I just think he's ultra-reliable. I think he's standout England's best goalkeeper. Jordan Pickford is far more spectacular and made some astonishing, unbelievable saves in the, um, uh, in the running to keep Everton in the top flight. But Pope, for me, avoids getting into those situations because he holds on to the first ball. He's such a solid, technically wonderful goalkeeper, Nick Pope. I'm, a, I'm astonished one of the, 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 the bigger clubs in Europe hasn't, hasn't made a move for him. Well, I'm surprised no one's mentioning Ramsdale so far. I, th- I think he's been, uh, been, good. been very good. Uh, okay, what about you, Bob? Uh, well, I'll go for Alisson, actually. Um, I think he's, uh, he's been pretty consistent. He's a rock for Liverpool after what they've uh, experienced before. Carrius and Mignolet um, to get a top-class keeper when he arrived um, after, after Van Dijk. Van Dijk had been there for a, a few months. And uh, then uh, Alisson came and that was it. Really, the defence was, was secure. Um, he he's had the odd moment with the ball at his feet, but generally his his um, distribution is excellent. But I think his greatest strength is coming out when there's a one-on-one. When a when an attacking player is through, he's not odds-on to score if he's coming up against Allison. He seems to make himself bigger. I mean, he's quite a broad guy anyway. He's not a, he's not as tall as Courtois, but he's he's very broad, and he. Is somehow just gets the block in and he saved Liverpool countless times. Um, so I'd go for him, but uh, from left field, I think worthy of mention is uh, Jose Sarr of Wolves, picked up for seven million from Olympiacos to replace um, uh, Patricio, uh, Rui Patricio, who was Portugal's number one keeper and uh. Thought this was thought to be a downgrade, but he he has had a lot of clean sheets at Wolves. Jose Sarr, excellent keeper, but I think I'd give it to Alisson. Uh, we're going to move on, and there are so many other ones, best signings, etc. But we have to move on. And uh, after the break, I want to ask about what we're going to be looking forward to over the summer in terms of the transfers and the rebuilding of teams here on Off the Ball BFM eighty nine point nine. England's highest quality title race of all time, but coming out on top again in the Premier League, Manchester City. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're in part four, the last part of the the last show of this season. Well, I want to look at the, uh, the what's going to be happening over the summer. By the way, there are a few more footballing games going on. There's the Nations League. There's also uh, actually the, um, the Scotland-Ukraine and then the winner of that will play Wales to get to the, um, the World Cup. But, and some uh, big Malaysia stuff. The under-23 starts on Thursday and there's a, an Asian um, champions, an Asian qualifying group starting uh, next Wednesday for Malaysia. But, and yet I am a bit footballed out. So, <laughs> so I want to look, look ahead this summer. What's going to be happening um, 
to the, the the teams. And I, I asked this of the guys on Friday, but I think it's worth asking again because it's it's the biggest conundrum. Manchester United uh, still have money and it's a great name. They're going to have a new manager, Ten Hag, who comes from Ajax. What do you think we can expect? Or what, what do you think they should do moving forward, Arvin? Well, firstly, we've seen the Ralph Ragnick um, appointment was obviously didn't work out because he's now left. He's no longer doing the consultancy role. So for me, it all starts at the top for Man United. Some of the decisions that this club has made for the last few years is just almost, it's almost baffling. It's almost, almost in a sense, championship. You expect some of the decisions to come from a championship team in terms of what they've done. To give a contract to someone like Bruno Fernandes, who's a great player, but can you imagine Eric Ten Hag? After a couple of months saying, no, Bruno's not my guy. And then you're stuck with him for five years. So for me, it all starts with the top. Eric Ten Hag is a good up-and-coming manager. He needs to be given time. He needs to be given time to mold that team without interference from the top and for them to be more focused on the commercial aspects of football rather than what actually they need to deliver on the pitch. Summer recruits like Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane have got a huge, huge part to play. They came for a considerable amount of money and they didn't deliver. I would, see, I would like to see guys like Harry Maguire taken out of the firing line because while he's had a poor season, some of the criticism for Harry Maguire has been unwanted. No one needs to go through criticism like that. So for, for me, it starts from the top. Eric Ten Hag needs to be given time. He needs to be given the opportunity to bring players in that he trusts. And it seems the one big thing that they cannot move, even if he wanted to or if he doesn't, we don't know, is that they expect to have Cristiano Ronaldo there for another season. So it's his choice of how is it going to make it work with Ronaldo because that's a huge component. But United, start getting some of those recruitment decisions right. Start getting some of those management decisions right. And trust your new man. That's what I would suggest they need to do. Uh, Des, I want to go on to a different thing. I want to talk about Liverpool. Liverpool, uh, on the one hand, you'd say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, um, Mohamed Salah is not getting any younger. And there needs to be... A refreshment. We we I think we now know what the Klopp style is, which is very fast, very skillful players. Uh, what would you see happening at uh, Liverpool? Well, first thing, uh, Sadio Mane looks like he's on his way to Bayern Munich, and so that um, famed front three, which had its last hurrah at, um, uh, at at the weekend against Real Madrid, it looks like it's going to be broken up. He's made a move to bring in Diaz, but I think uh, losing Sadio Mane is huge because for in, for six years he has been. Sensational. He, he started the Klopp revolution. He suddenly made Liverpool really feared as a team going forward. And he scored something like a, two goals every three games he's played. And very often it's the first goal in a game. Uh, I think the loss of Mane is, is really going to hurt Liverpool. But he goes with, with no recriminations. He's done fabulously. So somehow fit, uh, fixing that. But remember at the start of this season, Liverpool didn't buy many players and everyone was going, oh, Liverpool should have bought, should have bought. But, but they got new signings in inverted commas in a fit Thiago Alcantara and a fit uh, Naby Keita. And so I, I think we, we probably need a little bit more support up front. Uh, maybe Nunes from, from Benfica. We probably need one more signing to replace Sadio Mane. But um, uh, I'm, I'm defensively, Canate has come on sensationally this year. Um, Joe Gomez is still part of it. Maybe a younger midfielder to come into the heart. And there's talk of Jude Bellingham, although maybe not this year. And so it needs to be, like the great Liverpool teams of old, incremental change to stay there. I think there'll be a much, much um, bigger challenge from Tottenham next year. Uh, the United, it's possibly a bit too early for Ten Hag, but he'll 
get it right eventually. Chelsea have suddenly got a $4 billion new owner, so they'll spend money. Um, but Liverpool have just got to build on what they've got incrementally, but somehow, somehow replace the, the pace and the passion and the leadership of Sadio Mane. I think that is Jurgen Klopp's biggest problem. But Jurgen Klopp's biggest um, uh, asset is the fact that Jurgen Klopp is going to be there for four years. He's already built two teams. He's rebuilt the team that he inherited to this team. He can rebuild once again. And Bob, I want to ask you about one of the uh, also-ran clubs, one of the lesser teams that no one ever mentions, Manchester City. That nobody has <laughs> nobody has said Manchester City this so far. Um, Bob, Manchester City, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Will we see anything happening there? Well, it's already happened. Um, oh, pardon, yeah. Haaland, yeah, um, a massive signing. I mean, he's um, only Kylian Mbappe would uh, rank uh, above Haaland, I think, in the pecking order of upcoming superstars. Haaland is a completely different type of player to Mbappe, although a prolific goal scorer like, like uh, the Frenchman. But um, where Mbappe has silky skills, uh, Haaland has brute force and strength. And a lot of people were saying that actually Mbappe would have suited City more than Haaland because Haaland can be a bit of a blunt instrument. And how he's going to fit in with all the pretty passing moves of City's uh, dainty little players uh, all going around him, that's going to be Pep's challenge. I think that Haaland is good enough to for for this to work. Um, and I, I do think that City actually miss a lot of chances that when they create, we, we've gone on about this lack of a number nine all season. Well, they've got a number nine now, arguably the best young number nine in the world. And those balls that keep going across the six yard box and somehow don't end up in the net, you always see it from City. And someone like Sterling blazes over from six yards or Foden hits the post. Foden hits the post a lot, actually. I have to look at the stats. Don't know why. But they don't take all their chances. And just imagine if Haaland does accept these chances and doesn't upset the um, the rest of the City uh, smooth running machine, then City are going to be uh, even harder <clears throat> to stop next season. But it's a big if. He might upset the apple cart. Having this guy there who actually is not that good in the air, for for example, but let City play on the ground, so that's not really a factor. He doesn't track back that much. So it's not a given that this will work, but they've got him for a relatively low fee. They got him on the, on the buyout clause. The actual fee for him was only about 60 million euros, but his salary is he's going to be earning about 400,000 quid a week. So it's, it's a big investment, but it's not as big as the Mbappe investment would have been for Real Madrid or, is, or even keeping him at PSG. So this is the big challenge for Man City. I don't see too many other changes, but Pep is going to have to work on Haaland, I think, to get him to dovetail into the side. Wow. Can I just defend City, Cam? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. 99 goals. What more do you want? They scored 99 goals. And Haaland will be, be, be statuesque. I, I've, I've, I've riled against this uh, lack of number nine criticism all season for Manchester City. I think their fluidity and the confusion they introduce is, is wonderful. I think Haaland will weaken them. 
Well, you heard it here first. Bob Holmes says that Haaland's rubbish. And, I didn't uh, say that. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard. Good in the championship, won't be able to do it in the Premier League. I wish you could play in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, folks, we have to, to wrap it up here. It's, this has been the, the last episode of Offstroke on the Ball of this season. The season began, um, Ross Yusuf at the helm. Uh, we lost him very suddenly halfway through. And uh, with, you know, it's been a difficult time. So it's a, it's a bittersweet season. Thanks to, well, I'd like, I want to thank um, you, the pundits, um, Des, Bob, Arvin, Sean, uh, Kishner, and Nicholas, a whole bunch of you have, who've been really fantastic and really helped, well, helped me through. And I, I think been a, uh, interesting, uh, educational for the, the listeners, I hope. So thank you, guys. Pleasure. And, and I also want to thank our producers. So one of the things about Ross that you wouldn't know is that um, he, he did everything on his own. So it's actually taken four people, essentially, to replicate what Ross was doing. <laughs> There's me. And then there are our three producers who are from the weekend belt. They, they heroically took over the show. Uh, that, that would be Ali Johan, who is the producer for today's show and Hanif Baharudin and Daryl Ong. And I want to thank you guys for a wonderful job that you've done and uh, helping us through. So, um, well, that's the end of, the, that's the end of this uh, season. And uh, so, guys, you're going to be we're on the beach, I guess. Watching <laughs> Malaysia. Malaysia in the Asian qualifiers. Oh, t- tell us, Des, tell us. So, Malaysia have got uh, Turkmenistan, Bahrain and Bangladesh in a, in a group in the Asian qualifiers starting June the 8th, 11th and 14th, uh, looking to progress from that. Um, Malaysia hosting all those games at Bukit Jalil. And the under-23 start a very difficult campaign uh, in Uzbekistan on Thursday. They take on Uzbekistan and South Korea in their group. Ooh. So that's going to be tough for the under-23s. Uh, not expecting them to progress. The national team, possibly, you know, possibly. They've got a friendly against Hong Kong later this week, June the 1st. Uh, so lots to look forward to, Cam. There's loads of football still to come. Forget about Thibaut Gautois. <laughs> 14 times there's 14. <laughs> oh, but by the way, by the way, I got sent something very interesting because there's a lot of banter with Liverpool fans today. Do you know what the famous Bill Shankly once said? Football's more important. No, no, no. Bill Shankly once said, if you come first, that's, that's what... Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you come second, it doesn't mean anything. Really? <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah. He did say that. Yeah. And he, and he, he also said, uh, was it football... Football's more important. Football, um, football's more important than life and death. Life and death. I get very disappointed when people say, uh, "Yeah, well, it's not." So, and finally, uh, so that, that was Arvind, uh, Arvind Sidhu, and now Bob. Uh, well, you know, thank you all of you for your help and enjoy your summer. Thank you, Bob. Uh, thank you. Uh, well done, Cam, for taking over mid-season. Never, you never, you didn't have the benefit of uh, pre-season training. <laughs> um, Pull the hamstring just, a few times. Yes, uh, I'm just a bit upset. I'm looking forward to seeing who Forrest sign. I'm a bit upset that Mbappe and Haaland are no longer available. Yeah, it was touch and go, wasn't it? So we must end this show. So thank you, and thank you to all you listeners. Please join us next season. Question mark here on uh, Off Stroke on the Ball with BFM eighty nine point nine. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.